position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which Everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales. But if you have a game, and it is good, then get time and it will thrive. And you will be my work. Gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals, uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode number 237 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, being recorded for you on this glorious Friday, the 10th of May, uh, at 1849 p.m. Pacific Coast time, left coast to coast with the most. Uh, that would make it for our sequel friends, uh, what, 2019, 1849. Crack engineer, crackhead engineer, Ivor Molina, over there in the booth. You're fired, Ivor, holding up the whiskey sign. That's a good idea. Tip, 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 They're good. Mm. Got a lot to cover this week. So let's get straight. Uh, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. <laughs> Word blender. We have a lot to cover this week, so let's get straight to our top stories. Um, first of all, I just wanted to mention that I'm currently getting killed by a few games that are broken in, like, the stupidest ways. So, in previous weeks, you know, you've heard me bitch and moan about Echo, which is unfucking believable and it kills me that this game just won't play the goddamn cutscenes. Um, but now two new, uh, well, two other titles have joined 
this uh, shit list. Um, Final Fantasy uh, 13, which I did get to work once. I got to work once, but for some reason it will only let me pick, it will only let me enter three things from the main menu. So I can make three selections. And there are, of course, four selections that need to be made um, before you can start a new game. So I don't know how I got to work originally, but it's driving me, it's driving me nuts. Like the proverbial pirate walking into the bar with the steering wheel sticking out of his pants. What's with the wheel? It's driving me nuts. Uh, it's a robot chicken ripoff. There you go. So there you go. So uh, Final Fantasy uh, 13. It is, I know it is possible to get this game to run. I have run it. I have run it. Um. Yeah, it's the one where you start off riding the train. Um, I've never played the game before. Uh, so, ow! Shit! Well, that sucked. That's a good omen. Just put a cigarette out on my thigh. Fuck, that hurt. Ow! That's uh, what I get. Uh, fuck, it's what I get for not wearing pants when I do this podcast. Ah, Jesus. Um. Okay. Mm. And the other game that really... Okay, this is not so fair to pick on because it is still in early access, but it's a sequel to a game that they released natively for Linux and they don't even have a Proton port of it that's functional. That would be Jets and Guns 2. And if you've been watching our live stream, you know that late at night when the when the tiny little cat feet of uh, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., West Coast, Pacific Coast, Left Coast time... Uh, hits that wall clock when those hours begin creeping in on uh, 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 what's the you've heard the chimes of midnight's master shadow those of you who watch the podcast the, the live stream very closely have seen the weird silent jets and gold gun jets and guns gold runs try saying that five times fast Jets and Guns Gold Runs um, occur with their eerie silence uh, because I can't get sound to run anymore in Jets and Guns Gold anymore. I don't know why. But uh, I've been obsessed with Jets and Guns Gold. I've been beating it on every difficulty level uh, once I get high um, pretty much every night. And it has been lots of fun. And so someone uh, someone in the live stream hit, hit me to... Hip, hip, hip me, hip me. Bop. Anyway, yeah. Uh, cool, Britannia, Britannia, you are cool. Take a trip. Um, someone helped me to uh, Jets and Guns 2, which I had no idea about that it even existed. But for me, it might as well not exist because it doesn't fucking run on Linux. Which is like ah, it's mind bending because I, I was putting, I've been putting together a uh, over the last you know six weeks, I've been putting together a secret feature for you guys, um, the best shooters available for Linux because it's been I think three years since we did our Twin Stick Madness episode. Um, you yeah, it's about three years. That was like our second year, so um, we're due for one, and Jets and Guns Gold. It's by far one of the best shooters you can play on Linux. It's one of the best shooters. It's a highly underrated shooter. But to have the forbidden fruit of Jets and Guns Gold 2 dangled in front of me and for it not to work when they did a native Linux port of the original, they haven't even done a proton port of the sequel, it kills me. 
It kills me. It dispirits me. It vexes me. It vexes me greatly. But, uh, so there you go. And then also, kind of on this same shit list, um, I'm still playing Strider. I cannot bring myself to stop playing Strider. Um, even though fucked up textures and all, it is so cool. <sighs> I just can't stop playing it. Um, and none of the fixes I found work for fixing the mis- missing textures. And I busted my ass. I tried to do it through Lutris. I tried to do it. I mean, <sighs> cannot get those missing textures to fucking run, which is just really. It vexes me. It dispirits me greatly. But luckily this week we have, you know, we don't, we tend not to focus on the negative. Oh yeah, also not on our shit list is a cute little game that I've been playing. I, I think I've got like, what, eight hours in it? Yeah. It's called Forager which is kind of like a uh, low-budge, pixel trash 2D top-down demi-isometric um, mindless click Click, 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 oh, ABC, always be clicking, um, non-game, Minecraft with survival elements and economy, and it's really cute, all wrapped up in, like, an Animal Crossing, writ short, Stardew Valley, writ even shorter, kind of, um, mindless click fiesta that is just really a lot of fun. I mean, I only had the game for, like, Ooh, I think I got it on a Monday. I already got. I already logged eight hours in it, which I think is kind of like the ceiling. But we'll know if I make it to twenty. You'll hear a, you'll hear a review of it here. But in spite of all of these things, in spite of you know the shit list, and it's also in spite of Forager, which is a fun game. It's a really fun game, um, especially like if you have kids. I could see that Forager would be a really fun game for kids. Um, but luckily, this week, we have two reviews. Not for children, of course. Um, two reviews this week, which is something that we try not to do because normally I can spread them out as evergreens for whenever we need a... Whenever we are in desperate need of a, of a show and we have no show, I can always just pop out an evergreen. Well, we're going to burn two of them uh, this week. One out of necessity, the other one, because it's been I've been teasing a review of it for so many weeks. So, Ivor, based them with the first review... It's, well, actually, yeah. Yeah, well, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll do it twice. Fuck you, Ivor, you're fired! In accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. And verily, our first review began. Our review... Of Mordau. M-O-R-D-H-A-U as featured prominently uh, in last week's episode of this here podcast. Um, we have now logged 23 hours in Mordau and are much, 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 much better at it. Um, and are now prepared to do a complete review. So first of all, if you don't, if you missed last week's episode or never heard of Mordau, M-O-R-D-H-A-U, um, Mordow is the spiritual successor to, uh, chivalry. Um, it is a, uh, sword, medieval sword fighting game, uh, with horses, siege mechanics, you know, catapults, ballistas, spikes, doors. Doors are important. Openable, closable, breakable, healable doors. Um, 
it places a high premium on one-on-one combat. Um, even though, in spite of in spite of the fact that Mornout, for my money, really shines most brightly when you're playing on a dual server. Um, they don't have like an official mechanism anymore. It seems like they did an alpha, but they it seems like they took it out. They don't have an official mechanism where, uh, like in chivalry or in, uh, or like in chivalry where like you could just have like a queue of like five people and then they would round robin the victor of the last match in a duel. Um, they don't have that. So what, what you do instead is you go to, you, you change the search filters for deathmatch. And then you look for servers whose server description includes the word duels or duel only or one-on-one duels or flourish to duel. Um, I think that Mordow really shines most brightly in that context because the duels, regardless of your skill... Well, okay, no. Well, you know, I was about to totally lie. I was about to say the opposite of what is true. Depending on your skill level, the duels in Mordow are... can be incredible. Um, let's have some more whiskey here, because I really like myself some more now. Um, grasping the full mechanics of Mordow, however, is not best served by their tutorial. I think their tutorial is nasty trash. I mean, it does tell you how to do everything, but it doesn't tell you what any of it means. So it's like, you know, if you know, like, how to point to your nose with, you know, like a sobriety test, you know, tilt your head back, point to your nose. Okay, great. Well, you know how to do that, and you've demonstrated that you can do that. Well, what if you think that, what if it's just, that's the only move that you know how to do? Um, it's not going to really come in handy. Uh, I'm not going to go into full breakdown of, like, the combat mechanics of Mornow, because uh, I did that last week, kind of, although they were deeply flawed, and there should be, there should be some some very brutal, brutal error corrections here, but I'm not going to do it because I don't, I'm not going to go back and listen to it, frankly. And uh, I'd have to like, I'd have to do a lot of hard thinking about exactly what I got wrong. Basically, the thing about more now is it is entirely built off of offense and defense in like a very simple way. So, like, when you start, like, a basic attack, like, you start a slash, someone parries it, then it's up to you to regain the initiative, the advantage in the battle, because now you're at a dis... Now you guys are basically... You had the advantage when you attacked first. There's a prime mover advantage in Mordow constantly. You attack first, it was parried, It you both now basically reset. No one has the initiative. Figuring out where the initiative is is really important because now the guy is probably going to... If he didn't counterattack when he parried you, if he didn't riposte when he parried you, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. You guys are both back to nothing. Back to square one. Let's say that he does riposte. Then you are at a severe disadvantage. You're going to take a hit. Um, and that will also flinch you. Flinching is one of the mo- most important and undercovered aspects of Mordow, in my opinion. Anytime you're doing anything... Okay, so look, I said I wasn't going to... See, Ivor, I lied. I lied again. I said I wasn't going to talk in detail about the fight mechanics in Mordow, but I guess that's what we're going to do because it's kind of... Okay, so there are three stages of any attack. 
there's like a wind up there's uh, the actual attack itself and then there's the release the thing that comes after the attack uh, where the animation resets to resets you to um, you know like the ready stance when you are not in the attack phase of a move let's say you're in the wind up or the release or the wind up is actually it's actually more it's more important for if you're in the wind up and someone hits you, anyone. It can be the guy you're fighting. It could be a guy behind you. It could be someone hitting you with a rock from a distance. You could be shot in the arm with an arrow, or you get hit by a horse that's you know running through your duel or whatever. That automatically cancels your attack and places you at a disadvantage because it flinches you. It doesn't just cancel your attack. It it stops your attack and gives you a penalty where you can't do anything. You can't you know, mount another attack for uh, maybe half a second to a second longer than you would normally had you just reached the release of the attack naturally. That's when all the swords come for you. So, offense is just as important as defense. Also just as important is learning all of the moves and how to do them and how to read them. I knew that I was getting better at Mordal at around, oh, let's see how many hours do I have logged into? Uh, 23 hours. At around uh, 18 hours, I knew I was getting better at Mordal because I was able to play for longer in consecutive sessions because I understood what was happening. A little better, at least. Meaning, like, there's a big signal moment that occurred to me when I was, I was dueling... Um, on Contraband, which is a really beautiful map. The maps are really pretty, I think. There are not enough of them, though. I would like uh, three more maps, please. Can I get three more maps? Amen. Um, but so I, I kill this first guy. It's it's me and three other guys. It's, it's And it's a death match, but it's a dual death match. So, you know, we're picking each other. But I happen to kill the first guy. Then I happen to kill... The second guy, the second guy was when I had an epiphany. Because this guy, he was a knight. And I was my own character. I was Skooky Sprite. Um, who I think at that point still had a falchion. Or maybe a messer. Which is like eh, kind of like an Arabian uh, medium length sword. Slightly curved. Whatever. Um, but this guy was a knight. And this guy was pretty good. So I block his first attack. I I I do a side I do a side slice to try to catch him as he's recovering from his first big attack. Uh, it hits. Then he hits me, and then I see him briefly turn his back to me, and I'm like on the right, on the right, and I block this guy's massive right. Slash, I mean a massive right slash, the type that takes your fucking head off. Just one hits you, takes your head off. I block it, and I, I parry it, and I carry his blade. I, he carries my blade all the way down the second half of his sword, and that was when I won the match because he knew that I knew what he knew. And so, and then I had the initiative, and I chopped him up into little pieces. But catching that big, broad attack was crucial. I should have died if I hadn't 
parried it perfectly, which I did. Um, so learning how to read the rhythms of other people's attacks, and I knew that that big one was coming because he briefly flashed his back to me, which meant that he was turning around and he was going to swing from almost behind. You know, he was pivoting, he was using his hips to swing from almost behind his back almost to me all the way around, which will cut your fucking head off if you don't block it. Um, and I caught it. I caught it. And then I murdered him. And then uh, this third guy with a pole arm murdered me. There's video of this. Um, I might put it in the show notes for this week, the show blurb. So, learning the, the mechanics. It, yeah, okay, so there, there, the thing that helped me the most was this, um, if you just do a Google search for it, it's called the Get Good Guide uh, for Mordow. And I met the guy, I fought the guy who wrote who wrote the guide? I fought both of the guys who wrote the guide, um, which was kind of cool because I had just read the guide the, two nights before, and I ended up on a deathmatch server playing duels with these fucking really good guys. And I was, and there was a newbie there who was asking for help, and you can ask for help in chat. People will help you in chat, especially in in uh, it, the more f- the, the more rigorously they're upholding dueling etiquette, the more likely everyone there is to help you. Like, if no one is interrupting any duels, then chances are very good that everyone there will be eager to help you. Um, but anyway, so I started talking to the to the guys uh, who wrote the Get Good Guy. Get Good, you know, that's G-I-T space G-U-D fast guide for Mordow. And you can find it. It's very, very easy to find. Um, it's very long. If you were to print it out, I would say it, it takes about 30 pages. It took me about three hours to read it because it's so dense, it's really packed with a lot of information and after you read that guide though that basically tells you everything you need to know to begin working on improving your game now my favorite way to play more now I think the combat system shines most brightly in duels but my favorite way to play more now is a game mode called Frontline which is 32 on 32 uh, control point based uh, tug of war battle um, between two teams uh, with tickets so uh, the idea is if you control uh, three of the I think there's five five or six I think there's five actually five control points then you're going to bleed the en- if you control three of those five control points you're going to bleed the enemy to death eventually it's going to take a long time but you will bleed the enemy to death eventually, depending on how good your team is at defending. Control two, and have the third one being in constant contention, means an even longer battle. Controlling uh, one means you're going to (laughs) die. You are being bled the fuck out. Um, These take about 20, 30 minutes. It seems like the ending of them, like once one opponent is down by like, you know, 300 points or whatever, it seems that they drain faster, the ticket points drain faster, but that could just be me. You will see amazing shit in these battles. You will see amazing shit. You will kill five guys and then get impaled by a horse, um, by a horse, dude, by a horse. Uh, more whiskey. Mm. And you'll respawn five seconds later 
at whatever the nearest base camp is that you pick. And if you have a good team, everyone else will be respawning there too. And then everyone will start letting out battle cries and you will all fucking go until you die from it. And it is just really cool. It's a more cerebral... Um, it's, it's a less combat cerebral version of duels. But because this is team battle... Um, everyone tries to gang up on everyone as much as possible, so it's not you're never fighting one person. So it, it's always this constant like if you're at the front lines, um, trying to defend any place, it's like you stabbing at guys who are stabbing at you because they think that there's more of you behind you, even if there really isn't any more of you than you behind you because you're on the front lines and so you're fighting these three guys and you're trying to represent that oh yeah we got the whole fucking shit crew coming to fuck you up motherfuckers and then eventually they'll get tired or uh or you know a catapult will hit you and you'll be dead or someone will just fucking throw a fire grenade on you and you'll be ah! and there's a perk that actually makes you immune to fire which is a perk I strenuously suggest you take because uh, you will like it a lot um, it makes makes the game a lot less frustrating because then all you have to deal with are archers now that's the other thing so I want to save some time for 30-30 death war redux because I promised that I would do a review of it but there's a, still some more to talk about in terms of more now now that I got 23 hours I kind of know my shit I'm not as good at, at the polearm as I used to be but anyway so the other thing is archery. Archery comes in two major flavors, crossbow and recurve bow, the huntsman huntsman bow. The huntsman bow can be reloaded immediately after firing. Like you know, And even without um having fully drawn the 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 string back all the way, you can kill anyone with a headshot with an arrow. Arrows are tricky to fucking learn how to use. The crossbow, on the other hand, is a big pain in the ass because you can't aim it, really. You kind of shoot it from the hip. And to reload it, you have to actually put the crossbow on the ground. This is in one animation. It takes about three and a half seconds. But it feels like an eternity. You have to put the crossbow on the ground, uh, hold it with your foot, knock the arrow in, redraw the string by cranking it, and then uh, then you're ready to go. That's really cool because it e- efficiently stores the energy of, you know, the knocked arrow and the fully taut string. Oh, it sounds so hot. Oh, I'm getting turned on. Oh, God. Don't stop. I'm almost there. Um, anyway, so... But you can't really aim with the crossbow. It's great, though, in close combat. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you thought that... The axe that I have in my hand is the only weapon that I know. I also have this, and you shoot them in the face, and they die. It's always very funny to to hear the screams of disappointment. Even better, though, one thing that I really have come to enjoy quite a bit, depending on the map and depending on the context, lots of people too quickly feel that they are defeated in front line and will, in in less than stellar teams, will you know mutiny to the to the. Uh, to the queer bait that is the crossbow or the huntsman's bow when it is not tactically or strategically appropriate. Meaning you'll end up with, like a team feels like they're down by 150 points and they just, we can't do it! Which is like ridiculous because I've made comebacks, you know, depending that 
that are you know as far as 300 points like because teams just sometimes get overconfident get a little cocky and then you start killing them and they start losing control points and then you're back in business you know 10 minutes later you're back in business you're back in the game which is great so it's like anyone's game but some people have a you know try to just try to get their kills in or whatever and generally those people are not very good with bows because they're using them at the wrong times but you know whatever by the by the same token if you have a bunch of people who know how to use the the bows huntsman bows and stuff and know how to play with each other you can set up cones of death that are impenetrable that are just like fucking fields of fire that cover each other's fields of fire where there's no egress no ingress there's no way you can get through you know fucking 10 guys with fucking bows and split into two teams. I mean, they will destroy you. I don't care. You know, you you better find another way around. Um, which is generally what happens. And then all those guys with bows get axes in the back of their heads or swords in the back of their spines. And then game on. More whiskey. Mm. Of the game modes that I dislike. There's only one, and it's called Battle Royale. And Battle Royale is one life to live, last man standing, you against everybody. It takes forever for it to start before it crews up enough people to to start. So there's like just endless waiting of fist fighting in like a blurry netherworld before the game actually begins. And that takes way too long. It takes a long time, which is weird because it's not weird because no one really likes his game mode. Everyone else is playing Frontline or Deathmatch or Horde. Horde is another great fucking game mode. Horde pits you and however many of your friends you can fucking bring together against an ever-increasingly large Visigoth horde of unwashed villagers who are really, really really pissed at you and they are ready to overthrow the garrison and it starts off very simple it's like they have fists and rocks and that's all you have too at best rocks rocks are great like you only get five of them but man you can kill you can kill two people with five rocks trust me Mm. but then the second round and for every kill you get and for surviving every round you get gold which you can then spend on better weapons that are scattered throughout the level. Horde was much more appealing to me until I discovered that it ends after 21 rounds. Which seems lame to me! It seems so lame! I want endless rounds of Horde. I want I want to see I, fucking create new enemies if you have to. I want to see endless rounds of hordes. Bring me dragons. Fucking fine. Bring let there be dragons in this game. I mean, come on. You already have like so many weird fucking unbelievably difficult pseudo magical uh enemies in horde like at the higher levels like after you get past like level 17, they start to like they're like impossible to kill. I saw I saw someone kill the last boss in Horde. It took fucking 50 arrows in the head without dying. And he looks just like a normal dude. But he will one hit you like nobody's business. And he took 50 arrows in the fucking head before he died. So anyway. Horde is less cool now that I know that it doesn't that, that it has an ending. 
But Frontline has no ending. Dueling has no ending. You will, there is always someone much better than you and you can learn from them by either following them around and watching them fight in duels and when you see two people who really know how to play this fucking game fight a really hardcore duel in which you are not involved you get overwhelmed and like you just stand there and you, you know, on the live stream this happens to me a lot especially when I'm stoned I will stand there and just record their duel and then I'll go back and I will study it because when you see two people who really know what the fuck they're doing, you see animations that you do not commonly see. You see um, the full expression of the game's ability to render in a beautiful um, way that is not just beautiful for like the visual beauty, although it is certainly that. It is incredible when you see two people who really know what the fuck they're doing fight each other. Um... It's beautiful in a technical way that is commensurate, exactly commensurate with the degree of... So you, it takes a long time to cultivate the eye to understand what you're seeing in Mordow. It takes an even longer time to figure out the weaknesses, the chinks in your own armor. And finally, which makes it great, it's easy to pick up and play, it is super difficult to master there's some bad things about this, but before I get to the bad things, and I want to save like 10 minutes for 3030 Death War Redux because I, I I beat I beat 3030 Death War Redux uh, two days ago, and I was very sad. But, okay, so back to Mordow. Mordow, one of the best things that's in Mordow that it does not explain to you or tell you about is creating your custom character, which is essential and fundamental to Mordow. You can create, I think, as many custom characters as you want. Custom characters, if you, they are made out of a point system. So you get to customize everything on your character, <laughs> including their face, their build, their physique, all that shit. That stuff is cosmetic. Their armor, though, can be either, their armor and, and equipment can either be cosmetic or it can be, uh, 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 class defense so there's light, there's medium and then there's, I think there's heavy and then there's cosmetic underneath all of those you start off with a limited number of points that correspond to the level of your character you up, you and this is just your character your character's level is global wide, so like whatever you do with any character in the game uh, correlates directly to you. It accrues directly to, you know, your Steam account, and that's, you know, your experience points, and that's your level. Um, I'm terribly tempted to fire up Mordow right now and see if... Because I'm pretty sure it does correspond. I'm, like, level 11, so that means I have 11 points on which which I can spend on um, my equipment. That means... If it's not cosmetic, it requires a certain number of points to be able to equip. This is true from all the types of armor. This means head, chest, legs. Uh, the arms are usually cosmetic. I think they're always cosmetic. The ideal um, distribution of points for dueling, from what I have heard, is either 231 or 321 or uh, 1. Three one. The heavier your armor is, the harder it is to move. And, the, and by the way, those are that's head, chest, legs. 
So when I say like two two one, that means uh level two helmet, a level two chest, and level one legs. So light leggings. Mm. Cosmetically, they the differences are just glorious. You can make some really cool looking characters. But then after the armor, you have to pick your weapons. You have three weapon slots. You have a primary, secondary, and tertiary. Now, these can be weapons or equipment. You can create a character who only has throwing rocks. He just has three sets of throwing rocks. I think throwing rocks are two points apiece, so that would be six points throwing rocks. So right now I have 11 points, so that would mean I would have five points left for armor. Or... Alternatively, you could actually have some severe weaponry on your character. You could have, uh, like, a crossbow, which is 7 points. A recurve bow is, I think, 11 points. Um, I want to say it's 11 points. Uh, but, so, let's say you have 7 points, and then um, for the crossbow, which I eventually ditched, I don't like the crossbow anymore. Although, on some... On some, uh, like, team death matches, it's fun to have a crossbow. Team death match, it's actually kind of important to have someone with a crossbow. Because uh, those are, like, really intense sieges. Mm. But anyway. And once you've got all your shit settled, like, one of my, my, my favorite character right now has a uh, executioner's sword and nothing else. I mean, he has, like, he has a good helmet, he has decent chest armor, and he has like Jester's pants. It's like he's ridiculous. Um, but the executioner's sword is all I really need for that guy. Then I have another guy who's much more nuanced. He's got um a small axe that is not a throwing axe, it's just a small axe. And he's got a medical bag, and I think he, he also has the crossbow. So the, the idea of that guy is in frontline, he can go to where the to where uh we're being breached he can throw down the medic bag help everybody out there provide a little bit of range support with the crossbow near range support and then once that breach finally becomes exacerbated and finally breaks uh then he can start chopping motherfuckers heads off with the axe uh, which all of which can buy everyone some much needed time to get to reinforce him, um, or to you know mount the counter uh, the counterattack on that position after we lose it. Uh, it's that sort of stuff that makes the game so interesting. Cosmetically, you can make your characters look really cool, and you can give them unique identities and names and stuff, and you change their voices, their faces, the geometry. You, the, you, it's, you have a very nice, uh, very simple, pretty full-featured way to make your character's face look like no one else's character's face. Um, I wish there were some more decals you could put on characters' faces. Like I like the the guy with one eye, um, but that's it. It's like that's the only decal. So Mordow gets our let's take a look at the store pages I just want to make sure that it's not selling for Mordow is $30 $29.99 it earns the highest honor that we are able to afford any game uh, on the best Linux games podcast it earns our worth full price any price all price any day every day award Um, you don't 
I would not wait for this to be on sale. I would go buy it now if you like these types of games. The community is vibrant. It is easy to get a game. They have great servers. You can just jump right in and get fucking killed to death over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, kind of sad to see that Boldy, uh, after like instantly buying the game, like listening to like 20 minutes of the first podcast that we did, uh, he's quit. That's okay. Um, it's definitely, it does underscore the, the, the fact that it is definitely not for everyone. You have to be willing to put in a lot of time in a very serious skill-based game uh, to really enjoy more now. But if you are, then yeah, full price, all price, any price, all day, every day, etc., 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 etc. One of the biggest drawbacks about more now, though, is until you get reasonably competent at the game, you'll find yourself getting burnt out very quickly from, not just from dying, but from, like, you have to learn to react. Not to expect you have to learn to react and that can be draining it sure as fuck was from my first you know 15 to 18 hours um, I could only play the game like 45 minutes at a throw so there you go uh, next in our reviews 3030 Death Wall Redux mm. which I can think of like some games that might be considered to be more opposite of a uh, more now, but thirty uh, thirty Death War Redux is pretty much as far as far as I can imagine. For those of you who've not played Endless Sky, first of all, you should go play Endless Sky. Endless Sky, that is the free version. They're, they have nothing to do with each other, but that is the free version of thirty thirty Death War Redux. And in my opinion, um, Endless Sky is way bigger, way better, way freer. Um, it is less funny. Well, no, it's not less funny. It's just less frequently funny. But it's also much longer. So, let's take a look at 3030 30, 30 Death War Redux, A Space Odyssey. I, I beat the game in 31 hours. I've never beaten Endless Sky. I have hundreds of hours in Endless Sky. 3030 Death War Redux puts you in the role of John Falcon is a hybrid combination, uh, intrepid space pilot in 3029. That's the year that it takes place. So you got to get things done before 3030, evidently. <laughs> um, you are a space salvager guy. You wear an Indiana Jones style fedora, but it's a stingy brim, so it's not really an Indiana Jones style fedora. And a leather jacket. And you're really cool, and you're a slacker, and you're funny, and you visit all these space stations. And it's a freewheeling, free-roaming um, space odyssey. It really is a space odyssey. That's that, that much is true. Unfortunately, the game begins to rocket you through its... It's like it takes you through these stupid paces if you try to play the main campaign. I had so much more fun when I wasn't playing the main campaign. When I was just mining or like just doing mission grinding, like, you know, running people from different stations to different stations and, and trying to make a buck off of uh, off of the sales. The thing about 33 Death War Redux, it's so different from 
endless sky is that at a certain point I realized that I had the best ship in the game and you should never be able to realize that you have the best ship in the game and the best weapons in the game and so like at that point like the idea of doing more mining which was already pretty tedious at that point was just like uh, I don't want to do it and so I just started you know, I figured out, oh, well, the game's got to be huge. There's got to be, like, a, a whole separate tech tree or something. No, there is no whole separate tech tree. What you get is what you get. And in 31 hours, you know, you have a lot of exciting adventures. There's, and a lot of cool characters. But the dialogue isn't that funny and the adventure game aspects of it, because it does have a side-scrolling uh, point-and-click adventure game aspect to it, is not that compelling, and you can't use it on any planet. You can only use it on, like... Th- I, I, as far as I can remember, you only use it three times in the entire game. Um, you can visit stations, though. But... I don't understand how... This came out on September 13th, 2017... Recent reviews have been very positive. There's 12 recent reviews. All reviews overwhelmingly positive. 668. But not that I could give a fuck about what those people think. It just... it There's a real disconnect with what I have read post-finishing this game. Like, for instance, Rock Paper Shotgun, an organization I normally respect, which is crazy, because I respect almost no one in terms of game journalism, except for myself. To be honest... I mean, you know, a few other people, a few other outlets I really respect, and I have a few sources that, you know, are closely held, but Rock, Paper, Shotgun said it's a remarkable and enormous game. It's, okay, I would quibble with remarkable, but I have to say that it's an enormous game is just factually incorrect. Like, Endless Sky is one, both, it's free, but it is easily seven times as big as Endless Sky. It's, it's so much more enormous than than uh, 3030 Death War Redux that I don't know what the fuck they were smoking when they said that. Um, yeah, and the other two reviews are... It's rated the number one space adventure on Steam. See, like, okay, if you want a game that you can beat in thirty in under thirty hours, that is a lot of fun. That has a bunch of shit to do and that doesn't get in your way and lets you do whatever the fuck it is you want, more or less. Like, I mean, you can become a pirate if you want. With uh. A, f- a story that doesn't take itself that seriously um, and with one of the best soundtracks of any video game I've played in the last 20 years, literally they did so much original music in this game then yeah, 33 Death War Redux, A Space Odyssey at $14.99 which is full price if, you know that's two bucks an hour that's, that's, um, that's 50 cents an hour more or less then yeah I could see how this could be great it's really colorful it's almost like a kids game 
Although there is like occasional profanity, which is great. I enjoyed the profanity a lot. Fucking A, I love some fucking profanity. Motherfuckers. But um It ends too quickly. There's not enough to do. And once you get jacked into the main storyline, it just it is like a pump and dump of fucking fetch quests that are not even they they don't even go through like the um they didn't even bother to like try to thinly veil them or anything. Like, and in the rare instances that they do try to pull up that false pretense of, you know, blah, it's just more dialogue to read that's just more irritating. And the story doesn't make a lot of sense, which is another big problem. So you don't really feel all that invested in the character in John Falcon. But it, you know, it's it's a good game. It does not win our highest award, though. Um, I would wait for it on sale. Like it, I would say that it on sale, like a 50, 50% off, it would be worth, you know, seven to eight bucks all day, any day. It'd be a fantastic value, in fact, at that point. Because, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of fun stuff to do. Um, but consider the fact that, like, I completed my game with only 12 or no 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 that's not true because I I killed all those pirates. Um, I want to say like twenty seven kills, and I was considered to be a monster. Like space combat is not something this game is good at. You can only have two weapons on your ship at any given time. Well, three if you include uh, missiles, but those have to be restocked. Um, your turret is basically impossible to control if your ship does have a turret. Otherwise, you're limited to only one weapon, which is mounted on the front. And, you know, you spend a lot of time grinding. You spend like 25 hours grinding, and then like the last six hours of the game, I just blew through the entire story. Like, the entire fucking story. Um, and it does, I did not get the sense that there were many branches or that there was anything that involved any sort of illusion of free will. It's like being a mouse run through a maze. But I did want to see how it ended. And it does have a kind of a fun ending. Um, kind of a fun ending. Uh, it's a little weird. Um, and it doesn't make much sense either. Uh, but I won't ruin that for you. I'll let you experience that. So we had one hit and one, you know near miss. More now I would highly recommend. More now. And these two games juxtaposed against each other in a review deathmatch which is not what this is, but it's t- rapidly turning into it. More now is twice as expensive as 3030 Death War. You can play More now for the rest of your life. 3030 Death War you can play for the rest of the month. So there you go. That's my final verdict and also get Endless Sky. Endless Sky is free. You can get it on Steam. It is fantastic. Um and it is very similar. It just doesn't have the side-scrolling adventure aspects or the derelict um, spaceship, which those are not profitable to explore. It, you know, the game makes a big deal out of them, but they're not profitable to explore. You spend most of your time mining, blowing up trash, hunting pirates, um, ferrying people and objects from system to system, system to system, um, upgrading your ship, finding new ships, finding new systems. Charting Nebula and uh, etc. It's a lot of fun, but it's not. Um, it's not riveting, really. Uh, it is very addictive. First twenty five hours were great until you realize that you've basically done everything in the game, and now you just gotta finish it. Just a shitty kind of feeling. 
But uh, you know, hey, we'll look forward to who developed this. I look forward to seeing what 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 they develop next. This is Bird in Sky, published by Crunchy Leaf Games. But Bird in Sky, I look forward to seeing what they come up with next. Uh, cause this was pretty this is a pretty good innovative uh not innovative, but uh pretty good first step for an independent publisher. An independent developer. So there you go. That's our show for this week. God uh, I will catch you next week. And uh I have all your fired. Be sure to check out more now, and also be sure to check out both Strider and Forager. Forager is a delightful little game. Um, it's tedious, but somehow it's like it's like it's like how a mosquito, when it first bites you, it injects you, it shoots you full of like Novocaine or you know some sort of anesthetic. It has like a natural anesthetic, so you don't really feel it. So it can get a big suck out of you, and then you feel it, and then you smash it. That's kind of like what what Voyager or what Forager does to you. It gives you like this just massive overloads of like dopamine, and it's like, oh, I love this game, especially when you're high. Um, and oh, that's the other fun thing. Mordow is also very excellent when you're high. You will suck when you're stoned, but it is a lot of fun. Anyway, cheers. That'll do us for this week. Um, and yeah, awesome. Take us out, Ivor. Not with a rifle. ask you a bunch of questions and I want to have them answered immediately. Oh, you give a fucking aspirin and that ache, pal! Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farm. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yada yada yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yada yada e. Four or five times. Met Jamie. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. 
BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.